You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Hey, Burley Church Online. <laughs> um, welcome. Welcome. Um, we're back. Back in, in, this, uh, in, this, in, this, in the studio again. And um, it's, uh, it's great to be with you in this way. And again, I say it every time, but I'm just um, in such an isolating, weird season. It's phenomenal to have technology and people gifted in our church that are able to help us with this and connect this way. Um, Look, today's a bit of a summary or a recap, I guess, if you will, um, of kind of trying to bring together the last five weeks. Uh, We spoke about this idea the last five weeks of staying healthy in a very unhealthy time, Um, speaking to the spiritual, mental and physical health uh, and living in this world. Um, but not only that, championing that the word of God, the teaching and the ways of Jesus actually speaks to the things going on in our life Monday to Friday uh, and Saturday. It isn't just for church and Sunday that the word of God and Jesus and his ways can speak into every day and all the things we face, whether it be dark things or praise points, he speaks into it all. And uh, last week, John Edwards, one of our elders here, gave a phenomenal message and I guess a testimony as well around discipleship as a concept and then actually as a practice when, when measured up against some really hard times for him. And it, uh, it, it showed up. It happened. It, 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 it works. <laughs> a better way to say it. it is transformative. It's powerful. And so we want to continue along those lines. And as I prayed about what to speak about, what to finish on in this series today, I did at first was uh, tempted, I guess, or was intrigued by the idea of maybe going even more into the physical, uh, talking about our body as a temple. Um, I was going to talk about healthy eating, um, staying healthy, getting enough sleep as a way to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, as a way to, uh, as a way to worship is to live our life healthily. Um, And I guess I've actually been challenged by that recently, personally, um, about staying healthy, staying in the right mindset, actually has a lot to do with my physical health. And so in my rule of life, I've actually added a few things around fitness and around staying physically healthy. But we're not going to open that all up today. In fact, I hope to go into that in another week. Instead, today, I really felt led to talk a little bit more about, and I'll come back. Let me get this. Talk a little bit more about this picture. A couple of weeks ago, I nailed a balloon to a cross talking about dying to ourselves. And I wanted to explore. I felt there was more to say about this as we finish up this series. What does it look like to live a sacrificial life? What does it look like? to not make it about me? What does it look like to live as a we, as a community, as a church, as a gathering? And what does it look like to be a collective that's healthy? And so what does it look like together, not making about myself? If you just don't, if this makes no sense, by the way, go back a couple of weeks. Hopefully it makes more sense then. But what does it look like to live as a community that is living in the health and hope of the Jesus that is present and is yet to come in full. Well, that's what I want to explore today. So to do this, just a couple of encouragements I wanted to share that I feel that 
um, where even more charismatic move might say, I feel like is a bit of a word for this season that's coming for the next few months, for Christmas and into 2021. I really feel like this, this is something that we could chew on, these ideas, these encouragements today. First, two stories of two Christian groups I want to share. Um, the first is about the remnant left in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. And in the book of Jeremiah, found in the Bible, there's a heap of stories about him and his teaching and his prophecies. And so I want to speak about some of the things he said back then to this group of people, to the Israelites, and basically to um, cut it in a, in a nutshell, Jeremiah tells this group of people, um, he says to the Israels, if you don't want to follow Yahweh, God, if you don't want to follow his ways, his commandments, his covenant, his promise to be your God and you his people, then eventually God's going to withdraw. God's going to say, fine, have it your way. Um, and it would be a whole heap of destruction with that because without God, God breeds life. The wages of sin is death. And so if you want to follow those ways, that's fine. We get a choice. But you're going to live the consequences of your choices. They continue to live in their way. They continue to live without taking into account their God, Yahweh. And so as prophesies, Babylon comes in, completely desolates their land and takes over. And now they are a small, what is called a remnant of people living in Babylon. So in Jeremiah 20, we find a people that have no place to call their home. They no longer live in a society that sees the same point of view as them. No one worships Yahweh, their God. In fact, the society's gods with a little g <laughs> have completely different religious settings and ideas. For example, one example, in Babylon, they practice sacrificing babies to their God, which Yahweh had taught the exact opposite, both in the commandment not to murder, but also in the sac sacredness of life, that life is sacred. So needless to say, they were homeless in a sense, they were lost, and they would have felt very hopeless living amongst this city of Babylon. Now, I'm going to be careful making a connection with this and today because in the West, I even feel bad using the word persecuted <laughs> because I think of our brothers and sisters overseas that are truly persecuted, that have their life on the line, their livelihoods on the line. And so I think of them first as the truly persecuted church at the moment. But I do want to talk a little bit about Australia, the Western civilization and the post-Christian landscape we find ourselves in. Because I know talking to many of you, you feel it, that when COVID has come, it's added another layer again, this kind of dark fog over anything Christian at the moment. Let me explain. From the outside church wider, we're no longer respected in our community. I'm not talking about just Burley here. I'm talking about churches anywhere. We're no longer the centre of the town. People go to Google before they come to us for answers. Uh, we're, not seen as the, we're not seen as the champions of the poor. We're seen as money grabbers on TV, on a current affair, on news articles. People don't come to us for marriage advice because our divorce rates are only slightly better. Pastors aren't respected. I have an older pastor friend that tells me about the heyday <laughs> of pastoring when he could order a pizza 
from Domino's or something and drop that he's a pastor on the phone and they give him a discount. <laughs> what a what a time to live in. <laughs> when in fact I'm pretty sure if I dropped that I passed on the phone now, they would charge me more. It's a different time. The church is not the center. We're not seen as the moral authority. In fact, our views on abortion and um, marriage is actually seen as unmoral to today's standard. And then COVID hits. And although the whole entire world has suffered because of this, I can't help but notice when I turn on the footy two weekends ago and see stadiums packed when I can't even in my own church have more than 50 people. I can't help but think, I don't think it's a conspiracy against the church, to be honest, or I don't know. I think it's more that we're just not a priority. We're not welcome. We're not at home in this current society. We're not prioritised. So it's no surprise, as I shared a couple of weeks ago, that right across the States and right across Australia, people are asking the question, do I even come back to my church when it opens? Do I even bother? They're asking some tough questions around their calling and its purpose. Some of those questions are good, but it is a really strange, foggy time in Christendom. In so many ways, I agree with the Barna research, which is a massive study that was done at the end of last year, um, measured who's going to church, what people are thinking about church, and, and measured right across the world in, in Australia. And they came out with this, this term that they called Christians pre-COVID, mind you. They called us the exiles. They called this generation, this group of people in church are no longer um, the center of the community. They are the exiles. And so that's kind of what I wanted to speak about today because how do you live when you're in the wilderness? We're in a wacky time like this. When it's such an unhealthy time, how do you live as a healthy, hopeful church? So I want to talk about church health today. What does it look to live from that hope in our context? Well, that's where these stories come in. Let me read a little bit of what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 20 to the exiles of his time. Let me read. Thus says the Lord of hosts in Jeremiah 29, 4, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to this. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. How's this as I'm preparing the sermon, reading through that? This other thing, a kind of spam pops up from another Bible app I'm a part of, and it says today's reading. And there's a little affirmation from God around this sermon because it was a different version, essentially, a thousand years later to a different group in 1 Peter 2.11. Let me read this one. 
So this is a how to live amongst the pagans. It's literally the title of this, this letter that Peter writes. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. It's a conflict living in this season. Live such a good life among the pavans that they accuse you of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Sorry, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether it's an emperor, a supreme authority, governors who have been sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover for evil. Live as God's slaves. He goes on then to talk about living as slaves. If they're slaves, do it for God. If they're going through a rough time, do it for God. If you're going through an unjust, painful time, do it for God. Live with God, or in this setting, live with Jesus. Reminding them that God has suffered, Christ has suffered. Couldn't believe it when I found this exact, essentially exact encouragement, thousand years apart, the same thing on how to live amongst a society such as I believe today, as exiles, as the remnant, the few left within our churches, 8% of the Western population, they say, and probably decreasing over COVID. How do we live healthy? How do we flourish? So two encouragements I have out of those passages. One is turn it up. <laughs> uh, when I'm going to do this live with, with my local church, I'm going to ask you to say, turn it up with me. So if you're at home, by yourself even, everybody say, turn it up. I, did, no, no, I was going to say I couldn't hear you. Of course I couldn't hear you. <laughs> but, but turn it up is my first point, which you would say, turn what up? And that's the right question to ask. Well, let me read again, just small bits. 1 Peter 2.11. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should what? Follow in his steps. Jeremiah 29.12. Then you call upon me and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart. Turn up what? Church, it's time to... Turn up the voice of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. As a remnant, as exiles, as one, ones wanting to live healthy and full of hope, it's time to turn up the voice of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. And this is something we've discussed. This is familiar. This is one of the main themes coming out of the last five weeks. One of the main encouragements of growing, of flourishing, of living in the hope has been turning up the voice of Jesus, his ways, his identity, his will, making him the king of his kingdom, which as discussed in this series doesn't accidentally happen. <laughs> what do I mean? Well, I was talking to Anne in the office this week and she's just started a read your Bible in a year um, plan. And the plan actually encourages her to read the Bible for 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes a day, and she'll read the entire Bible within the year. How's that? As I reflected on that, how easy does that sound? 
12 minutes. I instantly thought I could do 12 minutes. But how often, and myself included as a pastor, do we get to the end of our day and we haven't given that 12 minutes to God? How often do we finish the day and we're like, I haven't sat with God even for a couple of minutes, let alone 12 minutes. It's so easy because there are so many things competing for our time. And this is exactly what that it says right here, exactly the warning, the thing that everyone can fall in when you're living in a culture that is working against you. Listen to this. Jeremiah 29, 8 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. These passages are acknowledging so many things competing for our time, so many voices speaking and telling us what we should be doing. So it comes down to this. My encouragement is to turn it up. (laughs) Turn up the voice of Jesus and his Holy Spirit which means, which equals sometimes turning down other voices. Turn up the voice of Jesus and Holy Spirit. We say that again, means turning down other voices. See, there's this little funny thing we say in our culture, and I'm being a bit pedantic, but we love to say, I'll make time for that. And you've probably often heard sermons. You might even heard me, uh, Anne's idea around reading the Bible for 12 minutes a day. And you think to yourself, I'll make time for that. Again, pedantic, but it's actually not true. Let me explain. You can't, you can't make time. <laughs> you can't create more time. You live a, a certain amount of time. You have a certain amount of time in a day. At best, you can manage and prioritize your time. So what I'm saying is I'm not here today encouraging us remnant, exiles, church, I'm not encouraging you to create an extra 15 minutes in your day. I'm saying that if you're going to turn up, turn it up. The voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his word in your life in a time where it is so needed to flourish, to live out of that hope, you're going to have to turn something else down. You're going to have to turn down Netflix or off sometimes. You're going to have to turn down the world's dreams of success or praise or whatever they think is actually going to last. Sometimes you're going to have to turn down your neighbor's opinion, both in person or online. Sometimes you have to turn down your friendship groups. If if your friends, it's great to have friends, but if they all think exactly the same as you, then how on earth are you listening to other voices? Turn them down sometimes. Dare I say, even turn down your favorite preacher. Of course, except if it's me. No, no, anyone. If your preacher says the exact things that you want to hear, that's a massive problem. Honestly, they killed Jesus for saying the things they didn't like. You need different voices. I'm not saying get rid of your pastor. I'm not saying that. Or your preacher or the preachers or stop listening to podcasts. Good teaching is good teaching. What I'm encouraging us to do is to listen outside the box, to read the Bible for yourself. Sometimes you need to turn down things to turn up the voice of Jesus and his Holy Spirit, which can be done through great Christian podcasts. Just make sure there's a variety 
and make sure it's not always stuff that you want to hear. Sometimes it needs to be stuff you need to hear. (laughs) Open up the Bible in private. Ask God what he wants for you. Turn it up. Sometimes that still, quiet voice and let it speak. Move and grow and form you. That's how we survive as exiles. That's how we flourish. That's how we carry the hope as exiles. We need to turn it up. It's not going to happen by accident. It's a daily choice, as I said with the cross, to pick it up and make it about him, not ourselves. After all, Mez said three weeks ago, she encouraged us that it's worth it. She said, God is worth turning up for because he is cares, he is good, and he is able. Church, turn it up. (laughs) Number two, only two encouragements today. Turn up. (laughs) So everybody at home, everybody watching on the computer say, turn up, turn up. If you're taking notes, write down, turn up. Turn up to what? (laughs) good question turn up to celebrate and encourage turn up to each other turn up to life with jesus let me explain these these three sub points we've been in a space which has been really weird for me as a pastor because i've actually had to say don't turn up (laughs) not every week at least so counterintuitive so strange to say (laughs) but what a perfect time as we're going to start to look at coming back as we're going to start to look at what church is again for 2021 in this next season, what a perfect time to reflect on why and what your commitment is to this gathering. To reflect if you are committed to this family. To reflect on your calling, what's your purpose in the body, in this family. And then to turn up. What do I mean? I mean gathering in a large setting. There's different ages, stages, likes, dislikes. This can be tiring. So easy to make this the thing that falls off the schedule. What do I mean? I mean, we schedule work. No problem. We turn up to work. We ring work if we're sick. We schedule that in. It's important. We schedule functions. We don't accidentally have birthday parties or business functions or accidentally get together with people. We schedule parties. We schedule gyms, sports, and fitness. We don't accidentally prioritize that. We schedule working a bit late. We make the arrangements. We schedule those meetings. We schedule our children's commitments, driving them around town. But once we've done all these things, how often, and this is a hard truth for me and maybe some of my peers and younger or older, how often do we say this? We just we just need some time with the family today. But you know what? We we we've let everything build up. We need to do some things around the house. Um, oh gee, it's Sunday. We have had a pretty big week. Kids are tired. Maybe not today. <laughs> and I say this not out of guilt, because full honesty here, there are Sundays where I wake up and think, <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm tired. It's been a big week. And my wife reminds me that I have to go. I'm the pastor and that's my job. And there's not a lot of those days because I absolutely, when I've been on holidays or away from the community, I miss it. I miss what the Holy Spirit does as a collective. 
But it's about committing to each other and turning up. What I mean is it's hard, it's tiring, we are so different. It can feel unproductive, it can feel hard work, especially if you have young kids and you miss the whole service. Especially if our favourite band's not on, the aircon's not is too cold or too hot or the coffee's too cold or too hot. Doubt it because Paul's doing a great job. But in a very straight truth, if I can, if you've made a commitment to Jesus and you want to see yourself grow, you want to commit to the body, you want to see your kids, if you've got kids, develop a rhythm of celebration and connection, we have to commit to gathering in some form. We have to commit to celebrating and encouraging with each other. Notice, I'm careful with my words. I'm not inviting you to love every one of my sermons or even commit to that. (laughs) Or dare I say, I'm not even saying come every Sunday. I'm not saying that. There needs to be balance. I'm inviting us as a body in the face of this next season to really consider how we commit to each other. Commit to celebrating, correcting, wrestling, loving, laughing, crying with those in the room with Jesus. It requires you to intentionally turn up. It requires you to put the gathering somewhere at the top of your priorities, above everything else. It's a spiritual discipline. No guilt, no guilt, just an encouragement in this next season to consider turning up. Flip side of that is the church is not just the Sunday. Amen? (laughs) I get that. Church is so much more than just the Sunday. I recently went out for a burger and a drink with some friends a couple of weeks ago. A couple of guys from our church, actually. And we intentionally asked some questions about marriage, about family, about life, and about God. And although the music was way too loud in that room, and as one guy said, he got 30% of it, which I agree, the conversation was amazing. The conversation, there was no guest speaker. There was no three-point sermon, no worship set. It was loud music, but no worship set. But the spirit turned up. Our commitment to each other turned up and it meant the conversation was on my mind for the rest of the week. In fact, I actually made some changes to my life because of the encouragement and celebration of what we call a small table. Turn up to discipleship and small tables. Again, in this season as exiles, as aliens in a foreign and healthy land, I encourage each other all the more. Yes, it's hard. A friend of mine who I've been part of his mentorship in some way over his life, over probably the last five or six years, messaged me recently because he was meeting up with someone for the first time. (laughs) He's, He's a guy, he's meeting up with his younger guy and he messages me and says, my goodness, it's awkward. (laughs) The first time you sit across the table from someone and say, oh, I want to mentor you. It's so awkward, but I loved, actually really affected me. The end of his message was, thanks for working through the awkwardness with me. As this person developed into be one of my closest friends. And so it's, 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 it's about, but it's about turning up. 
And lastly, my favorite part of this whole sermon is turn up to life with Jesus. The last one I think is my favorite for today is said. It's kind of my prayer and vision for the next few months for this church is turn up to life. What do I mean? Yes, as we've said, gather, grow, but listen to the words of Jeremiah. Go, grow gardens, eat, turn up to work, try things, fail things, get married, grow families, get involved in surf clubs, in neighborhoods, in hobbies, use your gift. How's this? He says, pray for the city at some stage. Do you realize he's saying pray for Babylon, the child-killing, demonic-aligning city that has destroyed their home? He says, pray for them because while you're trapped in it, they might as well be blessed so that you are blessed. How's that? Pray for them while you're stuck in it. Pray for those you disagree while you're stuck with them. (laughs) In Peter, it talks about turning up with Jesus in the rough times. It says, if you're slaves, there's still ways to to turn up with Jesus. It's not an endorsement of slavery. It's saying if you're in a hard situation, Jesus can still show up. You can still turn up. John sharing a just incredibly powerful message last week about Jesus showing up during battles with cancer. Turn up. Don't be that guy that says no to your neighborhood neighbors invite to come over for a barbecue every week. Go over there, turn up. Don't be that person who doesn't go to the Christmas party at work because you don't believe in, I don't know, decorations. I don't know. Side note, if there's some addictions and some temptations that you think you'll be faced with at your Christmas party, I understand why you might say no. But if that's not the case, turn up. Don't shut up your home so people don't know you. Don't, like, get involved, I don't know, get involved with Clean Up Australia Day. Get involved with a fundraiser, a work commitment. And you know why? Because if you turn up, every one of these interactions is a chance for people to see the hope and dreams you carry. Which if they look close enough, they'll find it's not the same hope and dreams of rust that rust and moth can destroy of this world. It's an eternal one. It's something that shapes, as we spoke about, your mind, your identity, your whole being is resting in something that they don't have and that they will want. They will see someone serving a very different God. They will see freedom and the fruit discussed over the last few months. When you turn up, people are in danger of meeting Jesus because you're there. If you've been praying for your neighbor six doors down to meet Jesus this Christmas, I want you to know he's already answered your prayer. He sent you to that street. (laughs) He sent who he thought was his best representative for that person in that street. He has placed you there. Turn up. Now, my last disclaimer I'm not saying turn up and solve everyone's problems. I'm not saying turn up to everything because there are times, as discussed, you need to turn it down (laughs) and just rest in Jesus. Sometimes you need to turn it off. I get that. A season for everything. I'm not saying go to work this week and do a three-point sermon and altar call to your sales team unless you feel led. 
I'm saying turn up to life as it comes at you. Be present, generous, patient, kind, connected with Jesus, remaining in him and in him in you as life comes at you. And you better be ready, as Paul says, <laughs> to give a reason for the hope you carry because they will ask. They will ask what is right with you. This hope is actually articulated perfectly at the end of Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to this. This is the last part, last verse I want to read and leave you with today. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, for I come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Turn up and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places that I've banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, we don't have a 70-year time frame and we're not stuck in Babylon. There is context to this passage. But the essence and promises and character of God is still true. We are free. Our home and identity is not found in this moment, in others. It is found in him. We have a hope, we have a purpose, and we have a future. It may not be back to get back to Israel, <laughs> but we have an eternal future together, which is so important because it's not about the individual. We can rest and we can practice this hope together in gatherings and small tables, only to go out and give other people a glimpse of the hope daily. In schools, universities, neighbourhoods, networks, board meetings, bars, and even while driving. Sharing health and hope of a life redeemed and secure in Jesus. Let that be our prayer. Let this be the prayer of the last few months of what is 2020 and let that be our prayer right now let me pray father some heavy stuff discussed in this series the world has so many questions so many so lost so many desires so many dreams failed dreams lord and we have just scratched the surface of what your word says about them whether it's mental health, depression, anxiety, comparison to other people, whether it's our understanding of the hope we carry in you about who you are and what you're about, whether it's physical things like cancer or just the, the stuff that life brings at us, Lord, I pray that we can be reminded through you and by gathering together of who you are, what you want to do, and I pray you give us the hope to carry forward, especially in a season, such a dark year, but such a hopeful time. It is Christmas even coming up, Lord. Just give us ways to bring the hope to the places you have placed us. Thank you that you want to allow us as our Father to divinely participate with you. And we pray that you equip us to do so, that you grow this church, that we turn up to life with you, and that we turn up your voice in our lives. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The final thing, just practical, I guess, is I've got some um, 
booklets about how to develop a rule of life. Um, and I've got them available. Since you're watching this online, I'll attach these to our website, bcc.org.au. And um, all our Facebook actually are uploaded as well. And there's some booklets we found a great resource on developing a rule of life, being intentional about turning it up and turning up. Thanks for joining us today. If you haven't already, love you to subscribe to the channel for more along this series. Um, and even if you want to give us a cheeky like on the video, we'll take it and look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks.